a start right there. It's, it's incredible how the world gravitates around Jesus' life and the disciples. And I wonder if the world really gets it. And uh, if the world doesn't get it, you would think that the church would get it. So that's one thing I want to show, and probably that's one of the most significant things and most valuable. And second of all, I want to show you something else that's probably not as interesting or not as, as meaningful, but it's a, personal, um, it's a personal thing, a personal item this morning. And let me ask you this morning, how many of you use computers? Let me see. I guess the ones who don't raise their hands use iPads or... Okay. All right, so everybody uses computers. And um, I, um, I do use computers. I have a laptop, and I actually brought it with me this morning because I want to talk a little bit about my laptop. This is my laptop and uh, my computer, and it's very personal to me. Uh, no wonder they call it a personal computer. It's very personal. Um, that's where I got my lecture from seminary or from school. I also have pictures of my daughters. It's very intimate. You know, it's, it's, it makes me very vulnerable for me to actually show it to you because I know what's inside in there. And I, this is where I check my email and I get to hear, check my Facebook and try to see my friends, what they're doing. And, and, you know, there's some good things about what's in this computer, but there are also some things that I'm not very, um, you know, I, I'm kind of embarrassed about. You know, like, for example, my email, um, I have a folder there that's calling junk mail. And I don't know if you have on your email, but I wouldn't want to show you what's on my junk mail because people just send all, almost all the craziest stuff there. So I wouldn't want to put on display here for you to see. So there are some things that I like about my laptop that is in there, and some things that I'm not very proud about it. But that's not what I want to talk about this morning. I actually want to talk about something that's inside this computer. Um, it is the battery of this computer. You see it's missing, and I did bring it with me. So I'm going to show it to you. This is the battery of my laptop, and it's kind of bulky, it's kind of heavy, and it really, um, if that computer would represent my life, this is probably what would represent my heart. My heart would probably, you know, it's plastic, and inside of it, there's something very powerful that's very, it produces energy, and it produces power. But um, unfortunately, this battery no longer works. I found out in January that um, uh, my, I was working on my computer. And you know how computers are. They're, they're very fragile. In some sense, they're very powerful. Uh, you can go to China in one minute, and you can go to Europe on the second. But on the other hand, um, they're very fragile. You know, you just unplug the cord, and they're useless. So I was working on my laptop in January. I was working on it, and uh, at all of a sudden, my computer just shut off. Didn't say any announcements, anything. And I'm, I'm trying to power it on, and it doesn't power on. 
So I plug the cord and I'm expecting that it will power, sure enough I power it and I realize that it's telling me that the battery is no good. Now this computer, I had it for four years, so it's been a while and apparently the battery was dead and I need to get a new one. So what I did, just like any other Christian, I get on the phone and I start a call and I start to pray and I start ask somebody for help and customer service is on the line and I'm making sure that I give them the right information and uh, they're going to send me another battery. They send me another battery and I got it home and I ordered the wrong model. I ordered the wrong model. I have to put it back in the box, send it back to, um, to um, the, the, the customer who, who asked me to put a label in and, and I'm saying, well, this time, the second time, I'm going to get it right and I'm going to call and I'm going to explain that I got one. It was the wrong model, but now I'm going to get the right model and we're good to go. So I call customer service and the first question they ask, sir, may I ask you, what is the serial and the model number of your laptop? And like any good customer, they, they, they say, well, I want you to look on the label on the back, and it will tell us what is the serial number and the tag, and therefore we can look up to see what's the right model of your battery. I look on my computer, and unfortunately, the serial number and the tag is gone because... So because of the use, it faded away, and you can no longer tell what the serial model is on my laptop. And I think that uh, just as our lives, uh, people or circumstances, we are labeled in some way, because of life um, experiences and things, we're no longer labeled the way we should be, and we're just fading away. We no longer have that identity. You know, maybe people... Um, you know, and circumstances come into your life and, and then that's just that label is fades away. So um, I said, well, it's useless. I can't tell you what the serial number is on this computer. Uh, can you help me? So sure enough, uh, they run a program on my computer. I hope I'm not losing you, ladies. I know this is uh, probably thinking, oh, great, computers. Um, so um, they run a program on my computer, and they're able to tell me what the serial numbers of this computer is. And uh, sure enough, um, now that I know the correct serial number, I'm ordering a second battery, and uh, sure enough, I get in the mail a box, and they deliver it to my house, and here it is, what I think to be the right battery. I open it up, and when I look inside, I see it's very similar, but then, when I try to put it on my laptop, unfortunately, it still doesn't fit. It looks very similar, it's very much alike, but it just doesn't fit. It has the same pins here, it's same everything, but it just doesn't fit. So I think that in our lives, we struggle the same way to make our heart fit so that it can power our life in a way that it runs correctly. What am I supposed to do now? Just like any other good Christ Christian, I get on the phone and say another little prayer and expect to talk with another representative. And uh, now that I'm talking with the representative, I'm saying... You know, um, 
I hate to say this to you, I understand you're a great company, however, um, I was mislabeled, uh, somebody told me that I had a such and such computer, I'm not, and uh, I've been mislabeled on the surface, I thought I was this, and now I can't power my laptop because I don't have the right battery. Can you help me? Now, this is the second time, ma'am. This is the second time this happened. The first time, I understand. But the second time, I need help. So this poor lady, now this is on Saturday morning. I'm about to get ready to preach Sunday morning and get my sermon. And now I'm dealing with a battery. I'm like, Lord, what, what is this all about? And uh, the lady, you can understand her... Um, her, I can hear on the other line a lady who really wanted to help me to get this, really get it right. This first time went wrong, the second time went wrong, but now she knows that it's very important for her that she would give me the right information so that actually her information would make this thing work. Now, a little bit, I feel like this lady this morning. And I want to make sure that this morning I give you the right information so that your life works and that you're ready to power your, um, your computer of your life and that you have the right information that would really be able to get you the right thing so that you can make good decision in your life. And that's scary. Because I'm sure that in your life, people have probably mislabeled you. You may have gotten in the past the wrong information. And now people have been telling you what exactly, how you should run your life. And I'm sure you probably have friends that they ran little tests on you and, and you were misinformed. And now I am trying to have this difficulty, this difficult task to give you the right information so you can make Make the right decision that would power up your life. And uh, this lady was in India, I can tell by the accent, and uh, she was trying to work with me, and uh, she, was, uh, she was nice. I'm sure she was thinking, I have, uh, this customer is probably unsatisfied, and we have to get it right. So the first thing she asked, which I really appreciated, she said, well, can you tell me on your battery, can you tell me what's the label on that battery? I don't care about the model. I don't care about uh, on the surface what it is. But can you tell me what are the words on this battery? I think it's, um, it made sense to me. And... Um, I think that our hearts are very much like this. And I hope that the right words are stuck to our hearts so that we can fit with the right... Uh, so our hearts fit well into our life so we can power our lives and be effective in this word. So she did ask. And one thing I appreciated, she said to me after she got the right numbers... She said to me, and can you take a, 
um, a customer survey afterwards to see if you are pleased about our encounter. So I'm not going to ask you to do that this morning. Um, but uh, I think that there's something about uh, this illustration that really encapsulates the importance of having the right information as we go about our lives making decisions. Decisions that are eternal. Decisions that are long-lasting. And my prayer this morning is that the label of your heart is nothing else but God's Word. God's Word who would power up your life and would energize your heart, your Holy Spirit would energize you and you're able to, to make things run well in your life. And that's what uh, we're going to talk about this morning. We're going to talk about Jesus and his disciples. I'm not going to run, um, I'm not going to tell you about every disciple, and, and uh, I'm sure that there's many resources, and I would recommend that you read the Gospels to see their lives. But more than that, practically, I'm interested to see how does that relate to our life? How can I be a disciple of Jesus that would be effective in this world? And that's what I want to talk about this morning. And I want to do it by comparing what is mislabeled on the surface with what's labeled on the inside. And so I think that the misinformation that you have probably gotten in your life is this notion of Christianity. You know, what is Christianity versus discipleship? And I cannot do any better than looking at the scripture and looking what does the Bible say about Christianity and what does the Bible talk about discipleship? I would want to challenge you that in the scriptures, as we look in the Bible, there's only three occurrences where the word Christians occurs. So the first occurrence is in Acts 11.26. And here's the background of that occurrence. Now we have a group of Jewish people who go from church to church to spread the good news of the gospel. The only problem is, is that they only go to the Jewish community. On the other hand, in the same chapter, we see the Greeks going and ministering to the Gentiles. And at some point, these words, these worlds um, come together. And so now we have an ethnical situation where we have the Greeks and the Jews and they get together. And so the best thing that they can call themselves, they don't call themselves Greeks, they don't call themselves Jewish. They say, well, we are Christian. We are Christian. I don't know. Um, I sometimes get a little bit confused. Now, I'm not from America, but I'm trying to make sense of this world, which I very much love. But I know that sometimes there's also, in America, there's racial uh, things that we haven't worked out, you know. We call people black, we call people Mexican, we call people white. And then when we, when we get so frustrated about all these surface labels, then we say we're Americans, right? We say we're Americans. And I don't know, I can't really say that I find this label helpful because it really, it's a patch to tell us we're okay. 
So I can't say that the word Christian here in this text is actually something of a significant, uh, it, it makes the word Christian as something very to be proud of, okay? Uh, it could be. You may be able to take this. But then I have to look at the second occurrence that happens in the scripture. And I see that Paul on the trial before King Agrippa, he has this exchange in um, Acts 26, 28. And um, in this exchange, Paul is presenting to the king his point of view, what he stands for with respect to the gospel. And King Agrippa looks to Paul and says, Huh! You want me to be a Christian? You want me to be a Christian? So the use of Christian in this text is also something that it's not elevated. It's not something that would say, yeah, um, I want to be a Christian. It's, it's a prerogative. You know, it's, it's, it's not something that uh, one would be proud of. Certainly King Agrippa didn't think so. Well, the third occurrence is it's found in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 16. And Peter there is telling the audience, is saying, you know what? I know that people call you Christians, and I know that they, because of that name of being a Christian, they're persecuting you, they're putting you in jail, and they're killing you, and all this. Um, guess what? It's okay. Let people call you all kind of names. As long as you're a son and a daughter of Christ, you are mine. The word disciple, on the other hand, occurs in the New Testament 261 times. My question to you this morning is, wouldn't you want to find out what a disciple is? And isn't it interesting that Christ takes time with his disciples, with us, his disciples, to go through this journey in raising us and growing us. God's word, the right label on the right heart. Um, what are some uh, characteristics about the disciples. I'm going to do this really fast. I don't want to. I probably already lost you with my computer thing here. I'm going to do really fast. Might as well, let's say, let's look and to see what does the Bible say a, uh, a uh, disciple should be like. Some New Testament examples. We are to be like Christ in his incarnation. Philippians 2, 5, 8 says, having the same mind Christ Jesus had, that's what we ought to be. Christ-likeness. Being like Christ. We are to be like Christ in his service. John 13, 14 to 15 says, Do just I have done, Jesus says. We are to be like Christ in his love. Ephesians 5, 2 says, Walk in love just as Christ loved us and gave his, himself up for us. We are to be like Christ in his patience endurance. 
One endures sorrows while suffering injustice. Secondly, not only that we need to be like Christ and have a Christ-likeness about us, but there is an issue of non-conformity. We are asked not to be the same as the world. And the Bible says in Romans 12, 2, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercy of God, to present your body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. We are called to be like Christ, and we're called not to confirm. How does that show? How does this show in our lives? When that power button is on and the computer is running, how does it express itself? And um, I can't say that uh, better than giving you a few illustrations of two um, of, of few people here that I found fascinating. Some other disciples that you can't find in the Bible, yet they are disciples. And um, Dorian Judson, uh, he was a missionary to Burma, Myanmar. He reached Rangon in 1813 after six years of language learning preaching his first, sermon, his first sermon, first convert in the seventh year. So it took him six years to learn, then seventh year he got a, com- uh, a convert. Took him 20 years to translate the Bible into Burmanese. Widowed twice, lost six children during his lifetime, and was constantly plagued with illnesses spent nearly two years in the Burmese prison, and in 37 years of missionary work, he only came home to America once. Incredible. Yeah. When he died in 1850, 37 years after arriving, he left more than 7,000 baptized Burmese in 63 churches. Now, it is estimated that there were More than 3 million Christians in Burma. I think his laptop is going well. When the communists took over China and expelled missionaries, it is estimated there were nearly 1 million Protestants Christian. Today, it is estimated there are 70 million. The reason for the growth of the church in China, and for the outbreak of genuine spiritual revival, revival in many areas is inextricably linked to the whole theology of the cross. They got the right label. They understand how this works. I have to close with one more. And this is personal. I'm from Romania. This understanding of non-conformity and understanding of Christ-likeness, it transfers into our life in a way that you want to leave the gospel the way Jesus did. 
that he was put on the cross just as we ought to be daily. That he was put down in the grave, dying every day of our sins, and that he was resurrected. Um, in Romania, the country that I'm from, during the oppressive regime of Nicolae Ceausescu, Pastor Iosif Ton, in one of his supreme, um, in, 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 his, um, in his sermons, told how the authorities threatened to kill him. And they came to his house and they said to him, Sir, uh, we're going we're gonna, to, this is it. Uh, you're a Christian and you believe what you believe but we're going to kill you. And he answered to them and said, Sir, your supreme weapon is killing. My supreme weapon is dying. I think he understood that death is not the end. In Germany during the Nazi regime, Dietrich Bonfar met his executioner by saying, This is the end. For me, the beginning of life. He understood that after this life, it's just the beginning. We're going to see Jesus in glory. And we're going to honor him and glorify him. Let me ask you this morning. Do you have the right information to make good decisions in your life? Do you understand what it is to be a disciple? What it is to to Strive every day to confirm to Christ and at the same time to not confirm to the world. My prayer this morning is that you as well would search your heart and ask God to give you strength so that you can apply God's word into your life to make good decisions. Let us pray this morning.